Welcome to another edition of the Quick 2 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shanley. With us today, we have Chris May, who is the Executive Director of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, located in Newcastle, Indiana. Chris has been in that role for uh, over a decade now, 11 years prior to that. Did some radio, some media work covering uh, the sports industry in central Indiana. So, good friend of mine. We're glad to have Chris on. So, Chris, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks a lot. You say I've been at the Hall of Fame for over a decade. You make me sound really old. We're, we're all getting old. And the first thing I want to mention here, we don't have an official sponsor for this podcast, as as many people who, the few people who do listen to it probably know, but can we have an unofficial sponsor for just this episode? Because it's got to be Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken, because whenever we get together, you are the one person who knows how ridiculously good Lee's Fried Chicken is, because there's one right across from the Hall of Fame. It's the best fried chicken people will ever have in their entire lives, and you know about it, which makes you have unlimited cool points in my book uh i can vouch that lee's famous recipe uh, fried chicken is fantastic i had it for lunch today in fact uh coincidentally uh and it's it's almost unfair because the hall of fame we are downwind from lee's location so like you know around like 10 o'clock in the morning right when you get like that mid-morning hey i'm starting to get a little bit hungry what i'm gonna have for lunch today there's this waft of the smell of fried chicken that just floats up the hill and I can literally smell it from the Hall of Fame and uh, so that can be a good thing it can be a bad thing but yeah their, their food's delicious and I will attest uh, Mike Fort who owns the Newcastle location he's an amazing guy very community oriented super supportive of high school sports of the Hall of Fame uh, gives back to the community quite a bit uh, but yeah if people come to town it's definitely worth a try if they've never had it. It's right across the street. It's convenient for people, you know. Stop in, get get a get a four piece meal, and then head over I mean, to the Hall of Fame and walk around and look at all the stuff you got on display there, right? Yeah, I, I mean, if you really wanted to, uh, you know, you could probably break it up. You could come to the Hall of Fame for a while, take a lunch break. You could literally walk to Lee's, eat, and then walk back to the Hall of Fame and see the rest of the museum, or you know, something like that would work just fine. So I want to talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame and, and what you guys do there and kind of the, the purpose of it. Obviously located in Newcastle, a, I don't want to say small town, it's decent size, but a community that is synonymous with Indiana high school basketball. Um, and just talk about what you guys, what your goals are for the Hall of Fame. I know you guys have been closed due to COVID, but uh, what's, what's the purpose behind what you guys are, are trying to have there? Yeah, so, I mean, if you want to be succinct, our mission statement says that uh, we're to uh, celebrate, honor, and preserve the heritage of Indiana high school basketball. Um, I suppose you want me to say more than just that one line, but that, that's really it. And so the museum has been uh, open in our current location in Newcastle for uh, just over 30 years. Uh, this summer was the 30th anniversary, and if the darn COVID hadn't gotten away, we, you know, we're going to have some events and some celebrations and things. Um, so, you know, briefly about the, the history of the Hall of Fame, like I said, the museum's been open for 30 years. Um, we've had um, nearly 400,000 visitors from worldwide in that time. Uh, we've had visitors from all 92 counties in Indiana. We've had visitors from all 50 states in the U.S. Uh, we've had visitors from 64 foreign countries that we've tracked. And it's a really interesting dynamic because about 50% of our visitors are not 
from Indiana. You might think, oh, it's an Indiana high school basketball museum. Only people from here are going to come see it. And that's really not the case. Uh, I mean, we obviously welcome Hoosiers and get a, a good number of diehards. But you get people from all over the globe, and, you know, their stories are interesting. Uh, the reasons they've stopped are interesting. There are so many Larry Bird fans from Boston and the Northeast. Um, if you're of a certain age, you, you idolized Oscar Robertson or John Wooden or, you know, you know, you know, I can't count how many times people walked in the door and, you know, Hoosiers is their favorite movie of all time. And they want to see like the real life Hoosiers and all the things that are behind that. Um, so to get back to your question, uh, you know, we, we have the museum with 14,000 square feet dedicated to the history of high school basketball in Indiana. We do have college items. We have things from the pros as well, but high school is really what we're geared toward and based upon. And so if you haven't been there, we've got it all. Uh, Obviously as a hall of fame, we have our enshrinement gallery where the the greatest players and coaches and administrators and officials and others from high school history are inducted and and profiled uh, with biographies about their career. Um, But obviously you can see uh, jerseys from some of the legendary players. We have, trophies including state championship team trophies on display um you know you, you can learn a lot i told people it's not just about basketball it's not just about who won the state championship who was miss basketball or mr basketball uh, I, I honestly think that even if you're not in love with basketball a visit to our museum you know is a lesson in the history of our state of you know socio-dynamic uh, you know socio-economic and and other uh, humanities types of, of issues, whether you talk about Christmas addicts and the uh, effect and impact they had with, uh, you know, the first black school, African-American school to win state titles. There, there's all kinds of different things that you can you learn and pick up on. Uh, but obviously we're there to showcase the legends, the great teams, the great players. And, and a, a unique part of the Indiana high school story, I think, is the community support. You know, the towns like a Newcastle and so many others that we can name that – you know, going to the high school game on Friday and Saturday night, if it's not still a huge part of this, the town's life, you know, at one point that was like the end-all be-all of community life in almost every spot in Indiana. And we try to, uh, you know, recreate that, document that, showcase that. What are your, some of your favorite stories? And it's kind of a two-part question I wanted to ask. What are, what are your personal favorite exhibits that you have in there? Stuff that you just when you walk around there, you know, when you're at work, you always kind of stop and look at it just a little bit longer and think, man, this is awesome. Um, yeah, I get asked that a lot, and my answer probably changes every time I'm asked. <laughs> uh, as far as artifacts, memorabilia, um, man, there's so many things that it's hard to single items out. The ones that come to mind pretty quickly for me, it's not always on display, but if you visit and you ask for me and I'm you know, have the time. <laughs> we have um, we have one of the Milan 1954 state championship rings. Um, the guy who was the principal that year, he actually was originally from Newcastle. He was young. Um, you know, the real life story. You know, uh, you know, in Hoosiers, Normandale's a really old guy. In real life, you know, Marvin Wood was a really young coach. Uh, their principal, Cale Hudson, was I think 27 or 28 as a principal when Milan won it. He moved out of state. He went to Nebraska and made a career out there after he'd been a principal at Milan. And when he left the state, he donated his Milan 1954 state championship ring to the Hall of Fame because it was being relocated to his hometown in Newcastle. Uh, so that's that's really cool. I mean, that's not a replication. That's not a, 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 a pretend version. That's the real deal. Um, also, you know, for guys more along our age, probably, we have Damon Bailey's high school jersey from Bedford, North Florence, which, you know, that's that's a – 
a real cool thing to me. And another one that stands out is, um, you know, a lot of people probably know Rick Mount was the first high school athlete of any sport anywhere in the country to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated in February of 1966. And if anybody knows that cover, he's pictured, he's standing down in front of a long lane there in Lebanon, and he's got this warm-up jacket on. Well, we have that warm-up jacket. It's on display right now. And, uh, you know, that, that stands out to me, too, because, I mean, when you think about Indiana basketball greats, uh, I mean, Rick Mount's way up there on that list, too. And, and to just name those three items, short changes, a lot of amazing, really cool stuff from amazing coaches and players that we have in our catalog but but those things stand out a little bit to me and then the second part of this question is your favorite stories about visits you mentioned people from you know every single square inch of the state every state in the country and then from over 60 foreign countries so you have to obviously have some cool stories about the people who make the trek to newcastle you know, who come to this community in East Central Indiana from all over the world just to look at stuff. So what are some of your favorite stories of, that people have told you about why they've come to visit or, or what what this meant to them or means to them? Yeah, um, two are fairly recent. Um, the, the most recent, back in, in June, June 18th of this summer, uh, Bob Knight came. Uh, we were closed due to COVID, but... Um, uh, a mutual friend reached out and said, hey, uh, Coach Knight's interested in visiting. Would that be a possibility? <laughs> Actually, it was phrased to me, are you open? I said, no, but for him, we will be. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that was two and a half hours. Uh, we, we catered in Lee's Chicken for lunch. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> um, so Bob Hamill came up. It was just Bob Hamill and Coach Knight. And we had a, a quick lunch and just chit-chatted a little bit. And then um, I gave them a private tour around the museum. Did Coach uh, Knight, was he a fan of Lee's? He did. He really liked it. He, he especially liked the, the, the chocolate chip cookies we had, I think. He uh, was Man. a fan of for sure. But, um, you know, I, I told Mike, the owner, he, he came in and, and talked to Coach Knight briefly. I said, hey, you know, if you need an endorsement, here you go, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, that's a, like a, that's like a pinch-me moment thing. And I'd worked with Coach Knight before. I mean, it, that was not the first time I'd met him, not, not the first time I'd been around him. But... Um, you know, we had a couple of staff in the office that day, but for over an hour, it was Bob Hamill, Bob Knight, and me <laughs> walking around, looking at exhibits, me explaining things, and just, you know, I was just trying to soak it all in. And so that, that one stands out and always will stand out. Um, another one was just about a year ago. Uh, this was pretty well documented by Kyle Nedrip in the Indianapolis Star. Uh, Javier Fuertes is, is a name of a, a Spaniard who saw the movie Hoosiers, um, you know, almost 30 years ago and, and just loved the story. And he said that it planted the seed that he eventually had to come to Indiana and, and see, you know, Mylan and the, the real life pieces. And, and, he, and after seeing Hoosiers, he just fell in love with, he, he tried to follow Indiana high school basketball as best he could. And in the 80s and 90s, that was like books and magazines. <laughs> and then once the internet came around, obviously, he could follow it more closely. And so he learned about, you know, he, he knew about Kokomo. Like, you know, here's a guy from Spain who knows about the Kokomo Wildcats and Jimmy Rail. And uh, he, he knew about, you know, like Lebanon uh, is where they'd seen it. They, they filmed one of the scenes in Hoosiers. And so he came last summer, 2019. And the first stop, we, we kind of arranged all this. 
and so they had he and his wife and two sons came and it was actually they spent like a month in the US so they were out east for a while they've been in Boston and DC and New York and they came from Philadelphia they they drove out and so literally the first place they came in Indiana was the Hall of Fame and so we toured around with him Kyle Nudrip was there from the star uh, some other folks were there and uh, then we took him next door to the Newcastle Fieldhouse and um, this was in Kyle's story in the Indianapolis Star before we were standing up on the concourse there at Newcastle up high and he like you know it's his eyes were as big as plates dinner plates and it's just like he, he his breath was almost literally taken away and then he asked you know do you mind can I, can I walk down to the floor and the athletic director was like yeah sure go down there it's, you know there wasn't anything going on and um, he gets to the last step down there at the bottom of Newcastle and he stops in the last step and he took his shoes off and Kyle Nedrep and I we were right behind him and Kyle kind of we looked at each other and and he realized we kind of were taken aback by why are you taking shoes off and he said um, this is like visiting heaven you know he's like you know this was like again Newcastle Fieldhouse he'd heard about it he'd read about it you know the largest high school gym in the world has been built for so long um, and so then he, he took his shoes off and then he actually knelt down and like kissed the hardwood and so I mean like <laughs> you know I think I think so many of us you know if you've if you've lived your whole life in Indiana um, you know, if you've been a, a big part of the basketball scene, a big fan, I, I think it's easy to take things like this for granted, right? I think, like, you know, the, the Newcastle Fieldhouse is, like, two minutes from my house here. I can I can walk over there and look in the window or walk in any time. And we've got somebody that literally, like, traveled halfway around the world and thought it was, like, the most amazing thing ever. Um, so those are a couple. And then also earlier, this was probably eight or nine years ago, so this was in my first couple of years of the job, a fairly similar story. We had a family of four from Italy. Um, and it was a, a husband, a wife, and two daughters. And the two daughters were both really into basketball, and they were like middle school and early high school age. And they came on a basketball journey through the U.S. And so by the time they came and visited the Hall of Fame, they'd been to Madison Square Garden in New York City. They'd gone to the Palestra. They'd gone to Duke, to Cameron Indoor Stadium. They'd been to Knoxville, Tennessee because of Pat Summit, the women's game. And they were in Indiana. They came to the Hall of Fame. They were going to Hinkle Fieldhouse, and they were going to a game, I think a fever game, at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. So for the Hall of Fame, the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame in Newcastle, Indiana, to be included on somebody's itinerary, including places like Madison Square Garden and Cameron Indoor Stadium, I think speaks to the history of the game in our sport, in our, in our state, and that it's a worldwide phenomenon that people know about. That has to be something that's really cool and something you've mentioned a lot about is the movie Hoosiers. Is that kind of how a lot of people from outside of the state get hooked onto Indiana high school basketball? Because, you know, them coming there and you guys are located not far from the Hoosier gym in Knightstown. It's only about, what, 20 minutes or so? Yep, yep, between 15 and 20. And so... Is that kind of a sense from people who are not from the state that that's kind of what makes them interested in high school basketball is that movie? Yeah, to a large degree. I, I, I kind of joke. I, I call them like the Holy Trinity. Pardon my my uh, re- reference to religion here. But um, I say that there's like the, to the outsiders, people who aren't from Indiana, it's, there's the Holy Trilogy and Hoosiers. And I'm referencing John Wooden, Larry Bird, and Oscar Robertson as individuals. And then it's either Hoosiers slash Milan. 
Um, and I, I've got a longstanding joke, pardon my bad humor, but you know, we know somebody is not from Indiana when they walk in the front door of the Hall of Fame and say, oh man, I love the movie Hoosiers. I want to learn about the real life team from Milan High School. <laughs> and as soon as they say Milan, we know they're not from these parts. <laughs> and, uh, but yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you the number of times somebody walked in and said, Hoosiers is the, the, my favorite movie of all time, the greatest movie. I've watched it more times than I can count. And our proximity, as you've kind of referenced, is, is it, we play off of each other so well. Uh, so many people who come to our place and don't know maybe perhaps at the Hoosier Gyms right down the road, we, we steer them in that direction. Hey, you have to go down there to Knightstown and see this. And so many people who stop at Knightstown and see the gym, their volunteers and their staff oftentimes are promoting us, saying, hey, if you love this kind of stuff, go up the road to Newcastle and see the Hall of Fame. So, it, yeah, that's that's a lot of you know either curiosity seekers or the movie buffs and, and those types. And honestly, getting back to your, one of your questions about like my favorite exhibits, um, we inducted Angelo Pizzo and David Anspaugh, uh, I think in 2012 or 2013. And the year we inducted them, uh, Angelo especially was really gracious. He loaned us a lot of amazing things that, that we don't have permanently, but that we had on display for a long time. And so included in those items, the whistle that Gene Hackman used as Normandale, uh, we had that. Angelo still has that. Um, Angela actually gave us uh, one of the final filming scripts of the movie. It's it's still on display permanently in our place, right in the lobby. Um, he had these movie posters from Hoosiers. He had foreign posters. I think one was from like Thailand, um, and, and it, you know it was just awesome stuff. He had he had reels of literal film, which when they made the movie, they were still filming on actual film, not digital. Um, that, that he uh, loaned us that we displayed and um, and he had the uh, like the, the diagram board that that uh, Gene Hackman used in the movie he had that as well so some of those things were made oh and the clapboard the clapboard when they filmed scene uh, I think that's actually David Anspaugh's and he loaned us that so we for a while there we had a really cool exhibit that if people were huge Hoosiers fans they, they just couldn't believe one of the biggest things you guys do with the Hall of Fame is obviously the Hall of Fame tournament that takes place at Newcastle um, in between Christmas and New Year's every year. So I was wondering if you could just give us a history about kind of how that started. And that's kind of the, one of the preeminent, probably the most prestigious event in Indiana high school basketball to play in, you know, outside of, of winning a state championship. If you can play in and win the Hall of Fame tournament, you know, that's obviously a historic achievement. Go back and kind of tell us some of the history about how that tournament came about. And it's kind of really cool to see teams from all over the place come just for that one day and come together in the kind of celebration of basketball. Sure. Yeah, it's um, probably our most public event, if that makes sense. You know, we have inductions and we have huge crowds that come to our inductions. But, you know, if you're not related to uh, one of our inductees or didn't play with them, you, you may be aren't as interested but you know everybody so to speak is interested who are the best teams who are the best players who am I going to be seeing on ESPN the next few years and on the top college programs and and so um, you know that's our goal every year is to have a great event with great teams great coaches and great players that feed into an event that is a fundraiser to pay the bills to operate a museum um, the history goes back before the 
building existed in Newcastle. And if, if some of our listeners uh, are, are big-time historians and fans of high school basketball and have been for a while, you may remember for uh, a number of years, I think it was maybe six or seven or eight years, it actually rotated around the state. One of the four teams in the boys' tournament hosted the tournament. And, and actually, they got the girls' tournament started. And, you know, in, in some years, like, you know, Southridge in Huntingburg hosted the boys' tournament, and the girls' tournament was at Decatur Central. It, you know, they were totally separate events on separate dates and separate locations. So for the men's tournament, the boys' tournament, I think we're at year 44 or 45. The first couple of years, it was actually a Thanksgiving time tournament. It's more of a season tip-off. And the first few years, that was at Hinkle Fieldhouse at Butler. Um, and then they went to that rotating model. I think it was in Marion one year, I, I, Richmond, I think. I can't keep track of all the different locations. Uh, and then in 1989, he was at Assembly Hall. And, and folks may remember this again. Uh, Bedford North Lawrence was in it with Damon Bailey. Lawrence North was in it with Eric Montrose. Bailey had already committed to IU. Montrose was still, I think, up for grabs in recruiting speak. And so I think part of the allure was – a, a bunch of IU fans will want to see Damon, and B, I think maybe they were trying to get Montrose, you know, to play at Assembly Hall and want to come play there in college. But it was on, I think it was on ESPN or, ES, you know, a regional cable, and it was a big deal back then um, that those that those players, you know, two McDonald's All-Americans and, you know, Damon was going to be the national player of the year the next year. Uh, that was a big deal, and that was, that was the last time it was played before it came to Newcastle permanently. And I guess it, it was played in Newcastle, Steve Walford's senior year of 83. So uh, in 1990, the tournament came full-time, permanently, next door to our museum. And, of course, that plays in big time uh, for the museum as well. You know, we want big crowds to come to the games and then come to the museum in between sessions and see what we've got on display and just make it a full, uh, absolute basketball fest, so to speak. Now, of course, we have the tournament the week between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, but it ends up being a lot of fun for the folks that come down. And, it, yeah, it's a, it's a fundraiser for the, uh, the organization. Um, helps us pay the money-losing venture of running a museum. And, um, I, you know, I've got a list off the top of my head. I, I can't keep track of how many. Uh, I think we've had, like, uh, 30 Mr. Basketballs, uh, like 26 or 28 McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, you know, I think there's 17 or 18 or 19 NBA draft picks, 10 WNBA future players. So again, we're after top talent and, and players that you're going to see for many years to come, you know, in the college and professional game. You are one of the, I don't want to say the leader of, of this, of the, of the show when it comes to that, but you have a heavy part in how the teams are selected for this. So can you get into the process of how the teams are picked to be in the Hall of Fame because it is a, a highly coveted spot for for teams. Yeah, I, I'll throw out the caveat. I actually don't get a vote for the teams. I mean, like people think like I come and anoint them or something, and it couldn't be any further from the truth. But um, I mean, a fun part of the job is getting out and going to all kinds of different places and different corners of the state, seeing good games, good teams, and and up and coming players. Um, but yeah, it's 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 typically very competitive. Um, you know, the, the landscape has changed because I think when you talk about the history, it used to be that the whole thing classic was like the only. Uh, I don't want to say the only holiday tournament, but you know, it it was like the, between the holidays, nothing else happened, and everybody had their eyes on Newcastle if they didn't come to Newcastle to see those games. That's obviously changed. You know, now every you know every twenty miles or so, there's a holiday tournament going on the same time as ours, um, but. 
going out, we, we have committees. We have a committee on the women's side, committee on the men's side. Um, they're mostly Hall of Fame coaches, Hall of Fame type players that know the game. And so schools reach out to us. Sometimes we reach out to schools, uh, figure out if there's interest, figure out if that's something they want to do. And, and, and fortunately, that's still a pretty high priority at a lot of schools and for a lot of programs and coaches. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to play in a unique venue. Uh, it's an event that, you know, gets a lot of eyeballs. Uh, we've, we've fortunately got some pretty good media coverage nowadays. We're in the webcast world and we're on IHSA TV and some of these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, so, again, coaches and, and ADs reach out to us. We reach out to them. We go out, hit the pavement, see a lot of games, and, and try to figure out what, you know, what matchups make the most sense to make it a successful event for us. And you guys had to do something last year that I never knew you guys did, but it was really cool. I thought interesting to hear you explain this, and I'd never known that this had come into play except for last year. You guys select a fifth team to the Hall of Fame Classic um, as a as a alternate. It, it took place last year. Um, Lafayette Jeff took Mishawaka Marion's spot after uh, they backed out after their uh, star Jay Nivey had, had left for his senior year to go to prep school but how does that work selecting a fifth team every year just kind of like hey if something happens you know come on down yeah. so um, yeah <laughs> is there is there a point that you know the Hall of Fame tournament kind of got hung out to dry at one point and to where they said hey we need to have a backup or an alternate that but I guess I could tell you that um, it's happened two of the last three years but you only publicly know about one of them <laughs> that you just mentioned um, and I don't think that reflects poorly on the Hall of Fame or the, the event it's dynamics you know hey let's let's just let's be brutally honest right kids change schools a lot more than they used to or go to prep school their senior year rather than stick at their high school and so that makes it a little tricky honestly for our committees um, you know, a perfect example, honestly, now that we have the perspective to look back, we took the New Albany Bulldogs, Romeo's junior year, because you'd heard all these, uh, is he going to go to prep school? All these prep schools won him. Romeo's, you know, one of the top five players in the country in his class. And, you know, I mean, the New Albany people thought he was going to stay for his senior year, and ends up he did, but uh, we weren't certain. And so that year, we took New Albany his junior year because we thought we were pretty sure he was still going to be around his junior year. We weren't so sure about his senior year. Um, so to get back to your question, just kind of like, like how that happens and how that works, um, I think the answer is very delicately. <laughs> Nobody likes me calling him and saying, hey, you're, uh, you're fifth place. <laughs> um, and honestly, just from a like, logistics standpoint, um, the committee has their meeting in March to, to pick the teams that they want and the matchups that, that we're agreeing on. And I tell uh, the ADs, I say, hey, sit tight, be by your email, because I'm sending you a contract today if you get picked. Because basically, I, you know, I need to get four teams that all agree and sign a contract right away so that I can tell the other teams, and including the fifth place team, sorry, you're not in the top four. You're, you're not in as of right now. Um, so, it, yeah, it did happen last year, as you referenced, Mishawaka Marion lost Jaden Ivey. And they, they came to us. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want anybody to misunderstand. Like, we, we did not kick them out of, out of the tournament by any stretch of imagination. Um, they were just real honest and said, hey, look, you know, I, we know you picked us because of Jaden, and Jaden's not going to be here, and we don't want to tarnish the, you know, the reputation of your tournament. And so it was kind of ended up being more of a, a mutual thing that we had 
uh, you know, Lafayette Jeff in the wings, and it ends up that, you know, obviously Jeff had a really good year this past year with the Beaver brothers, the Barnheiser brothers, and, and uh, you know, they're a team that when they're knocking down threes, they're really, really good and really, really exciting, and they came to, to Newcastle and, and helped put on a pretty good show. And this year's edition, I think, is is going to be really cool because in the past, you guys have gotten a lot of 4A schools, you know, large schools and 3A schools. We're going, you know, all small schools this year, but it's going to be a really exciting field. You have Blackford with Luke Brown, who averaged, I think, 36 a game last year as a junior, could average north of 40 this year um, as a senior, you know, if he hadn't gotten hurt earlier in his career. He was a kid that could have made a run at Damon Bailey's scoring record. You have Blackhawk Christian, a team who won the 1A state title two years ago. Last year, probably the favorite to win the 2A state title before the season ended. They have their senior potential Mr. Basketball and McDonald's All-American, Caleb First. Uh, You have Bar Reeve, who year in, year out, is one of the top 1A small school programs in the entire state. The tradition that the Vikings have down there is amazing. And then you have Shenandoah right up the road, a really good 2A team that has, you know, maybe not the big-name talent, but Dave McCullough, a Hall of Fame-level coach, and a really good senior class, some really talented guards there that have won a ton of games um, in their career. So just talk about this year, this upcoming edition, and and how those teams got selected, and, and was it just coincidence that it was all kind of smaller schools? Yeah, I mean, you gave a great synopsis of the teams and the players. And, you know, every year is a a slightly different, uh, I'll say process. That's not really the word I'm looking for. But um, it's a different landscape each year is is what I was trying to say. And so, I mean, I'll be honest. There's some years that, like, you go into it and, and, you know, we start looking for teams more than a year in advance. You know, they overlap. You know, before this year's tournament is played in December, we're looking for the 2021 teams for December of 2021 um so but really we try to get through this year's event and then in January you really start to nail down on okay who's on our radar who's interested how can this all come to play and um you know some years you're like oh you know these not that it's four but hey these six or eight schools just they stand out and this is probably the you know the 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 basic group we're looking at and other years you got like a blank slate um we also have a rule, if people don't know, uh, school can only be selected once every four years. That's um, a, a part of a, our process and a kind of an agreement with the IHSA. Uh, our event is exempt, so for high school coaches and ADs that do scheduling stuff, the IHSA long ago exempted these games. They do not count towards your regular season maximum. In exchange for the IHSA granting that favor, uh, the Hall of Fame can't play favorites and pick the same four teams at year after year after year. So that also plays in because, I mean, I've had people say like, oh, yeah, you guys got to go get, you know, Lawrence North or fill in the blank. You got to get, get them this coming year. And there are years we, we like, can't take them because they were just in it a couple of years ago. Um, so for this particular year with these 2A schools you're talking about, um, you know, we got, to, we got to January and it just kind of looked like, hey, you got some really good small schools. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, you know, Crowds are important to us. Ticket sales are important to us. This is a fundraiser event. And so you want you want teams that are um, going to bring people. And, you know, hey, look, in, in the 70s and 80s when this tournament first started, you know, you, you, you have a game, you have a high school game, and everybody shows up. You know, that was the culture back then. It, it's not the same now, unfortunately. 
So now you gotta you gotta be a little bit more selective and wise in who you pick and in the crowd they're gonna bring, and again to, to to be a fundraiser and raise the dollars. So it just it started to come together, you know, last January that, um, you know, you had uh, we looked at Fort Wayne Blackhawk before. I mean, Caleb first, I think as you mentioned, I think he should be a McDonald's All American this year. We'll see what happens. Um, uh, you know. Um, Blackford and, and the Luke Brown and just all the media attention, social media attention, the crowds that they've drawn. I mean, you just saw like, hey, there's some pieces here. Does this fit? And I, I, again, I'm not going to lie. I mean, members of our committee, um, competitive balance is, is a thing, right? I mean, you, you don't want to throw somebody in with the Lions, literally, so to speak. Um, and, and that's not to say that a 1A team can't play with a 4A team, but sometimes you get into a style thing as much as a you know talent thing. And so it just kind of it ended up working out that, hey, here are four 2A programs, uh, small schools that, that look like make good matchups, compelling games, and we're really excited for it. I mean, the COVID thing's going to obviously throw us for a loop, and we, we hope we can have a really, really strong event. Um, but, yeah, again, on paper with the teams, the players you're talking about, it's a lot to be excited about. The last topic I want to get you on is kind of a, a jealousy of mine. Is I think you have one of the best jobs, not in necessarily in the daytime. Obviously, that's a cool job running the Hall of Fame and being around stuff, but you get to watch a ton of high school basketball, and you just get to pick some of the best games. And I've seen you all over the state watching games. You know, I'll pull up to a, to a game and see your name on the sign-in sheet. You get to go watch high school basketball games as part of your job and, and, and part of this process of picking the Hall of Fame. So I want to talk about your experience in going to games, and we'll start off. What are some of the best games you've been to? And we can throw out Hall of Fame tournament games or state, like just yeah. some games that maybe people won't remember, but have always stuck in your mind uh, for some reason. Yeah. I mean, there's so that it's tough for me to kind of delineate. I, I'm not the best on memory, but – I, you know, I think more than like, more than a, a, a game where, oh, I saw Gary Harris score 40 points, or hey, I saw Yogi Ferrell do this, you know, I mean, like, atmospheres just kind of stick in my mind more so maybe than point totals, um, and also, I mean, this even predates my time at the Hall of Fame, like, I, I've just always been a junkie, and that's kind of how I got this job, truthfully, and um, so I, I was traveling to stay even before this was, you know, what I was getting paid to do, but... So, like, I'll actually go back. I remember in 2007, or maybe it was in the fall of 2006, um, I went to Edgewood because Garrett Butcher was going to play against Tyler Zeller. It was Edgewood-Washington game. And that one stands out to me for, for some reason. I mean, uh, I saw Washington play so much with Luke and then Tyler and then Cody uh, that I felt like I could drive to the Hatchet House with my eyes closed and still get there. Um but again, I, I think more of like atmospheres. Like recently, Westview was in our tournament um, two seasons ago. Uh, I had not been until the season before when we were scouting them. I had not been to a Westview game in Topeka, Indiana, and so I, you know, somebody said, "Hey, watch out for the buggies," and I kind of laughed, right? And then we get there, and like literally, there are seventy buggies in the parking lot, and then they have the whistler in the crowd that whistles their their the little fight song and chant before the fourth quarter, and um, one of the games we happened to go to at Westview was actually in the sectional. Uh, LaVille was undefeated, 
and Westview was at home and had a team that looked like, you know, could go a long way in the state tournament. And so that place was packed uh, for that sectional. I don't remember if that was a quarterfinal or semifinal. I think a semifinal game on a Friday night. Um, you know, anytime, you know, that pocket down in southwestern Indiana, Washington, Lagodi, Bari, North Davies, like that whole area, you know, that's that's still an atmosphere. That's still there's juice in the air. Like, uh, you know, I still think Lagodi, Bari, I've been a lot of rivalry games, but some Lagodi, Bari games, you know, stand out just as far as, you know, it may have been 40 to 36, and there may not have been a Division One player in the game, but you're like, wow, that was that was cool. You know, that 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 was that was awesome. Uh, I mean, I, I I could go on and on and on. I could list, you know, the players I've seen or the atmospheres, you know, the gyms. You know, again, that that part of the history of Indiana basketball is, is like the gyms and 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 man. I mean, there's just so much that that comes to mind that I can't single out. Hey, this game or hey that game because it's all it's all cool. In, in a different, in its own way, every experience I think is pretty neat. What are those were a couple of the other topics. Were some of the coolest traditions that you've seen? Some of the favorite gyms that you've been to. So I'll kind of combine those uh, topics that I wanted to ask you about. What are some of the coolest traditions that you've seen at games? You mentioned Westview and some of your favorite gyms. Just because I think people don't get to see maybe some of the really cool gyms in the state because they're at some of the schools that are kind of off the beaten path. Yeah. Um, so for gyms, I, I would say, I, I'll, I'll confess, I, people ask me a lot. Um, I think the Hatchet House is my favorite, if I'm being really honest. Um, and again, I saw Luke play a bunch of games there. I saw Tyler Zeller play a bunch of games there. I saw Cody Zeller play a bunch of games there and have even been back since then. Um, and, you know, again, that pocket of the state, it's just, you know, it's, it's that's the one area of the state I feel like where it's still like the quote-unquote good old days, if you get what I'm saying. And, and that's still, you know, if you haven't been to a Bar Reef Washington game, which is always the night before Thanksgiving, um, it's always at Washington. That's that's crazy. You know, I was there a few years ago. Um, it might have been Cody's senior year. Uh, there were 6,000 people, no lie, 6,000 people there at the start of the JV game. Um, you know, I mean, those that's like part of the gym that I enjoy is the atmosphere or being full or having some sort of, like I said, juice in the air. I love the Hatchet House. I mean, obviously, Newcastle, the field house here, you know, it's so cool um, when we take people who are from out of state, when they come to the museum, and, and sometimes we're able to get them at the high school uh, and take them to the field house. I mean, it's, it's like that. I mean, I, I've seen that reaction a hundred times, and it's oh my god this place is huge uh you know we had um we had two women that came from japan they're huge pacers fans so they had come for like a stretch of pacers games and the folks in indianapolis at the pacers said hey you got to come out to newcastle you got to see the hall of fame and so we took these two ladies who are huge basketball fans into the field house and they say we don't even have professional arenas in japan that are this big um so you know the, the newcastle thing is cool um you know there was like, some controversy a little about a year ago with Newcastle losing their title of the largest high school gym in the world. What's the uh, status of that? Um, I feel like you were the man who, who knows. They did a count on the actual seats and it came up that that wasn't as big as as maybe people were led to believe. So what's, what's the backstory behind it? Because I think that's a really funny story to hear about how that came about and then 
that's a really important thing for the people in Newcastle. So I know, you know, that was a point of contention there for a while. You know, um, yeah, so there was a, a, a guy, Doug Bradley, who's kind of a gym fanatic, and he is literally, like, counted seats in rows and sections of all the biggest gyms in the state. And um, so for a while, like, I don't think it would have been safe for him to come to Newcastle. <laughs> being honest like you know i mean if people knew who he was after that hit and that made headlines and was on tv and then the standing apple star and so on and so forth but yeah i mean the, the basic situation was so for so many years newcastle uh promoted the capacity at 9325 and then more recently they put in those two scoreboards down in the opposite corners that actually took out some seats in the first two rows of bleachers so their, their number recently was 9,314. That's capacity. That's num- not number of seats. <laughs> if you want to get into semantics, <laughs> they, they, they say we can fit 9,314 people in here. Um, people who knew what they were talking about credibly in Newcastle never could claim they had 9,314 seats. Um, and that capacity included, like if, if folks remember – Steve Alford's senior year, the 82-83 season, they had temporary bleachers around the top on the concourse. And that's how you get to 9,300 or maybe 9,500 if you believe certain people. Um, and, and to get back to your story or your question is, those temporary bleachers were gone as of a few years ago. Well, more than a few years ago. But anyway, to say that you could seat 9,300 people they, they couldn't seat that many people in recent years. Those bleachers had been, like, I think sold off or gone or whatever. And so um, Doug Bradley, in, a, in the process of visiting a lot of different gyms, said, hey, they really only have – I forget what number he came up with. It was in the high 7,000s. It wasn't even quite 8,000 seats. And I think he's pretty accurate. I mean, I can't vouch that it's down to the exact correct, but – Again, those are kind of fighting words in these parts. And so he said Seymour actually technically is, is the biggest. And so Seymour celebrated and took great pride in it. And I think, in fact, like the next week when I was down there for a, a regional game or semi-state game, they had banners up already that said, you know, Seymour, largest high school gym in the world. And, you know, so <laughs> Seymour celebrated. Newcastle grumbled and was kind of pissed off about it. Uh, Newcastle has gotten some temporary bleachers back in the building. I, hey, look, if you're asking me exact numbers and who's got most seats, I, I can't give you the absolute definitive answer, but I just know that that's kind of, like, if I can say it, that's, that's a pissing war, right? I mean, that's... that's, that's, that's Newcastle right, right? wants that's, their title back. Well, and, and if you've been to Newcastle, you know, at the south end on the wall, it says the world's largest and finest high school field house. And people here in town were like, hey, we're not taking that sign down. We're still going to be the largest. We're going to figure out a way. So they actually they did add some permanent seating, some like pullout bleachers up on the uh, concourse on the east and west sides. So those are you know those are bolted into the wall. Those are seats that are actually there. And then they've got temporary bleachers that you know if they absolutely needed those seats, uh, you know their administration now says that they could fit more than Seymour. <laughs> I don't know what the number is, but they say that they can seat more than Seymour now. And I think they are probably right there in the ballpark, and, and maybe that's accurate. And so the last thing I want to talk to you about is you've obviously been to a ton of high school games, and you 
you've mentioned this prior that the change in, I guess, priorities of people going out and high school basketball being the event to go to. And obviously technology, live streaming games, more things for people to do. How do we get the spark back in in some of these games? And, And for some schools and some communities, the spark hasn't left. There's still great communities that route, you know, I think of, you know, just right up the road from Indianapolis, LaPel and Frankton, a couple small programs that um, always pack their gyms. But how do we get the spark back for, for games and get, like you said, the crowds and the atmospheres back to what Indiana high school basketball used to be? Or, or is are those kind of gone by the wayside? Yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, I guess I'll use the... the phrase that it, it may be tough to put the genie back in the bottle and I, that kills me to say it right I mean like <laughs> I, I love high school basketball in Indiana as, as much as, as anybody and you know I mean that's kind of the nature of my job and how I'm making a living but um, I've, I've always compared it this way you know I, I deal with a lot of people at the Hall of Fame a lot of the players and coaches from the previous eras who swear up and down that class basketball killed everything right <laughs> and I certainly don't think it helped you know increase interest and attendance but I don't think you can say class basketball is the only thing that has hurt the game and the attention and and the comparison I use is like think back even if it's just based on what you see on TV and movies but like you if you talk about like the 50s and 60s probably were like the pinnacle of high school basketball because also that was right before the consolidation wave you know, at one point, the highest number of teams ever in the IHSA state tournament was 787 teams. Think about that. We have like 410 now. So at one point in time, for those of us who weren't alive back then, there were twice as many high schools in our state. And so that meant every little bitty tiny burg, you know, around the state had their own school. And your sectional, you know, had like 16 teams. And usually it was like the county seat and 15 teams from the county or, or pretty close around you. And so when people ask, like, why was high school basketball in Indiana such a big deal, that's part of it right there. It's like every community had a school, and they hated the county seat. And you can hear all kinds of stories uh, from previous years, you know, when the sectional championship was the big school versus the little county school. If you were from any of the other little county schools, your team was already out of the tournament. But, man, everybody was for the little guy, right? And, I mean, Angelo Pizzo has told me that on a podcast I did with him. But that's one of the seminal moments, that was his phrase, one of the seminal moments he experienced that helped lead him eventually to make Hoosiers was there was a school called Unionville down in Monroe County outside of Bloomington. They won the sectional championship. I think it was 1966. Uh, Angelo was a kid, still in school. He went to the game, and it was I think it was either Unionville beat either Bloomington High School or Martinsville High School, I think, for the sectional championship. Anyhow, a big school. And he said in the gym, you know, it was the other 10 or 12 or 15 teams in the sectional, they were all, now that they were out, they were all rooting for Unionville. They weren't going to root for Bloomington or Martinsville. And you had that whole element there. And so I, I get back to, again, in the 50s and 60s, you had that going on. Plus, how many how many cars did a household have? Maybe one, maybe two, if mom happened to work outside the house. Now it seems like, you know, every kid gets a car when they turn 16. Uh, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have apps that we, you know, gazed over and our eyes glazed over as we stared at them. Uh, you didn't have 400 channels on your satellite or cable TV. You didn't have satellite or cable back then. So I think what it really has become, in my perspective, is 
you know, the the entertainment attention span and the option of other entertainment. I mean, you, you can't, <laughs> you know, we're not going back to, you know, ABC, CBS, and NBC on your TV that you have to get up and turn manually. Um, you can't roll back the time. I still think, obviously, you know this. I mean, we got great players. We got great teams. I mean, you look around the NBA now, and how many guys do we have that, you know, you and I saw in high school games and that you could have seen play for five bucks <laughs> uh, a while back. Um, so there's still great players, still great teams, and I think the players athletically, obviously, are better than ever. Um, the, the, the community dynamic, I think it just it's going to be, you know, special places that have a special group or a special year. It's kind of like this Shenandoah team that we've got in the Hall of Fame this year. You know, people say, oh, Blackhawks got Caleb first. Oh, Luke Brown and, and uh, Blackford. Oh, yeah, of course, Hope plays for uh, Vareed this year. Why Shenandoah in it? You know, they've got this group of guys that have, you know, they've been playing together for three, going on four years now, and and really talented kids. I don't mean to demean them, but none of them are Division One basketball players. Uh, so I think it's situations like that where you'll still have, and the lapels and the Frankens, like you mentioned, where you'll still have some unique atmospheres and, and strong community support. Uh, I can't I can't let go. You asked about traditions. Um, the the Anderson, the, the Maiden and the Indian Dance at the Wigwam, you know, I, I went – to multiple games there, but I went to the last one, the last game at the Wigwam when they announced everything was going to shut down, and um, I mean that that was cool to see the 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 banging on the drum and the dance around midcourt, and I can see how you know unfortunately I didn't get to experience some of those North Central Conference games in the 70s and 80s, but I can see how when that's a sold out place and you got you know number one and number two in the state, Anderson and Marion or Anderson and Newcastle or Muncie Central or Richmond or whoever was in there, I mean. I can't believe, you know, kind of the intimidation factor and the, the cool wow factor. Uh, I, I know how cool it was for me to experience just, in, you, know, you know, in the 2000s. Uh, so let alone in the 70s and 80s, that had to have been just kind of an unbelievable experience. Well, Chris, I certainly appreciate you taking the time out tonight to, to join us and your your vast knowledge of all things Indiana high school basketball is is something to to behold and obviously i highly recommend if you are ever even if you're not in the newcastle area make it a day trip if you can to to head out to the basketball hall of fame i promise that uh that you won't be disappointed thanks a lot great to talk to you thank you chris